Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie-Anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. Welcome to another episode of the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast. As always, I'm your host, uh, Max Esperance. I am a one-year Master of Business Analytics student at Tulane University. I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation Design Thinking. I plan to be a business intelligence analyst in the future and work my way up the corporate ranks at a major company. I'm also very interested in real estate, art, and sculpture. I was born in Haiti and I have a military background. And with me here today, as always, is uh, my co-host, Natalie. Natalie, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. So my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health program in Maternal and Child Health here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I hope to one day soon work in public health at a state health department, hopefully working in a maternal and child health division. And I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. Thank you for joining us, Natalie. Thanks for having me. So today, uh, Doctor, we're going to just listen to an interview from Dr. Woodrow Winchester III, a professor of systems and industrial engineering at Kennesaw State University. And he's a design educator as well. His work within engineering focuses on interactive technologies and using connections between technology and design. Uh, Dr. Winchester also works to increase diversity and inclusion within the field of design while encouraging his students to think holistically and to use design thinking with other design approaches. Uh, Thank you for that introduction, Adley. And uh, just to add a little bit, Dr. Winchester's work examines the connections between health and fitness with technology and design. His work focuses on utilizing interactive technologies in order to improve health outcomes, specifically in the underrepresented groups. So I'm excited to hear more about uh, health within the underrepresented groups. What about you, Natalie? What are you looking forward to hearing from this interview? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing how Dr. Winchester uses design and design thinking within his engineering work. You don't often hear about design within STEM, even though design can really be used in any field. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how we connect these two fields. Well, let's have a listen. I just clicked this and now it's recording, hopefully. Okay. Um, so let's see, should we begin? Let me say. So the first question says, how does place and identity affect your work? In design. Okay, so um, just to give you a little context in terms of my work, so I'm actually a design educator, um, yeah. but more specifically, okay, so within the context of um, technological design, so um, my area more specifically is in what's called engineering management, so we actually look at um, practices, methods, tools, and techniques 
um, that engineers can actually utilize as designers in coming up with technological innovations. So to your question, I mean, those are critical components or critical considerations um, in the engineering design process. Um, so we actually try to seek out specific sorts of tools, techniques, and methods by which to both understand what those relevant sorts of considerations are and also how to translate that into design, um, which is oftentimes a bit of a So in our training perspective, don't really, okay, I just got a note. Okay, so uh, as well as in terms of the training that we get from an engineering perspective, there's not really a lot of formal uh, um, around understanding, you know, um, issues of, you know, identity and, and, and place. Um, in the early kind of outgrowth of kind of engineering and technological design, it was more for occupational sort of context. So design, you know, workplaces, um, work machinery and that sort of thing. So those issues were not as of import in terms of consideration. Uh, but now since we're actually, so we see the, you know, application and implementation of technology in all different sorts of context to kind of explore developing these sorts of methods by which engineers can actually utilize, again, both understand what those considerations are and to design. That's very interesting. So it's, in our class, we talk a lot about okay. how humans um, are, have to be the focus of it, and we always interview and try to listen to their story and then create after that. But it's interesting because right now we've been working with the engineering school at Tulane, and they are very focused on Focus, the human-centered part comes after the design, and I think that that's um, similar to what you were saying, which is very interesting how it can go both ways. It doesn't have to really be a linear process. Process. However, um, I, still, I can't see you anymore, but... Okay. Let's see what happens. Um, it's kind of the process. Um, so you, you really engage design thinking in order to offer, you know, a more usable sort of design. So that the design thinking is the process that kind of affords or ultimately kind of offers, you know, the more usable sort of design. So again, mm -hmm. design more product outcome, design thinking, you know, more of the process. And we've got to be more process oriented, I feel. And I think that's one of the, the cool things I, I find with kind of employing design thinking um, in some of the work that I do and also in, in the education that I do in terms of, you know, training engineers um, is really helping them begin to kind of think about the importance of the, of the process. And more specifically, as we're talking here, you know, design thinking, you know, you always hear the adage, you know, trust the process. And, yeah. and you really must. And, and that's, and that's, I think that's the beautiful thing about design thinking specifically is the way that the process is kind of framed. It does allow, you know, flexibility, um, but it does provide enough structure such that, you know, if you do trust the process and engage accordingly, um, it will result in, you know, more usable um, and oftentimes more innovative sort of design outcomes. That's, yeah, that's very interesting. Do you feel that your pr process with design thinking or with your students that you go about the same process with every single project or mm. it can be shifted based off of what you are trying to create? Yeah, great point, Phoebe. It can actually shift, morph, evolve, you know, depending on the context. You know, we here in terms of the work that I'm, I'm doing, um, not necessarily as, uh, as broad and multi-layered and complex as some of the work that you guys are doing in Tulane. Um, However, what we have noticed, again, depending on the context, depending on kind of stakeholder, um, there may be some adaptation, uh, modification, you know, of the process. So, yeah, and that's the cool, again, the cool thing about design thinking, it offers a general sort of framework, but, but it's, it's, it's structured such that that framework is flexible to accommodate, you know, differing sorts of contexts. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's very true. That's very, very true. We've been realizing that a lot recently in a lot of our projects. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, let me see what the next question is. Um, what would your advice for non-designers using design thinking methods through design thinking? So it says, what is you, the designer's advice for non-designers using design thinking methods? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Uh, advice to non-designers that are using design thinking. Um, one of the things, and there's been some interesting sort of, uh, and you guys have probably read some of the papers and magazine articles and thought pieces around kind of design thinking, design thinking is crap or, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. you know, it's one of the things that we have to, to realize that design thinking is not a panacea. You know, it's, it's not, you know, just because you follow the process, you're going to have, you know, it guarantees, you know, more usable or innovative sort of outcomes. So you have to be realistic. So one of the pieces of advice is really being realistic in terms of kind of your engagement and use of design thinking and, and really put some thinking behind the engagement of design thinking. So really, you know, put some thought around, you know, what is the intent, you know, because design thinking may not necessarily be the appropriate sort of process by which to use for that given sort of context. You know, there are other different sort of, um, you know, approaches to product technology service sort of design. So that whole space has to be kind of explored because again, it may not be appropriate. So um, that in terms of putting some, some pre-thought before you actually utilize, um, temper expectations in terms of the use of the process. And really the other thing too is oftentimes we have these more, there are a lot of simplistic framings of design thinking, which we folks to believe that it is kind of this common sense sort of approach, but it's actually, you know, more than that. So really, if you're a non-designer and you're going to actually engage in some design thinking processes, you know, in support of your work, you know, you really have to do the research to really understand truly the process and how to engage, you know, the steps in the process, what those steps mean and how to appropriately engage those. Great. Yeah. And through the, um, like, Stanford's D-School of Design, what Leslie always shares with us, of those components, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test, is there, like, a key component that you feel like you put an emphasis on with your students or even in your work? Great question. Um, I think one of the, because we're engineers, engineer, most of my um, work is done with engineers, there's a lot of emphasis on prototyping, which we find, you know, very fast, fascinating because engineers like to build. Um, so prototyping becomes something that, especially for engineers to get a better understanding of the design process, that is a good place to, you know, really put some emphasis because they really begin to kind of see, you know, how the a process kind of affords the development of a prototype. And then through, you know, um, evaluation to begin to iterate and refine that prototype. So engineers are really kind of get kind of turned on, you know, by that aspect of design thinking. But, but where I like to put more of a focus, because again, we engineers don't get a lot of training in this, in this regard, is the, the empathize piece. So, you know, what does that mean? You know, and, 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 and how to go about doing that? Because oftentimes when I engage with my students and, and colleagues that are engineers around employing some of these methods, you know, it, we're so quantitative oriented. And, and empathy is not a quantitative sort of pursuit or engagement. It's very qualitative in nature. So building some appreciation for, you know, that stage of the process and some appreciation and understanding of the different sorts of tools, methods, and techniques that can actually be utilized, you know, to, to, to impart or, or garner that sort of empathy, you know, you know, from your stakeholder. So that's where I put a lot of emphasis because that's something kind of new, um, quote unquote, you know, for engineers. Yeah. And, and there's been such less of a, emphasis, you know, on that, you know, within the engineering design process. Very, very interesting. And let me just see. So those were the key questions that I had to ask. And now I'm looking at if there are any of these. So what about, so our class, the title of our class is social innovation and entrepreneurship. One of the, yeah. these questions says, what is your input on social innovation or social design? What are your interests in social innovation or social design? 
So Phoebe, when you say social innovation, could you define that so I'm sure that I'm, we're on the same page? Yeah. So okay. in our class, I think we focus a lot on social issues and okay. our innovation is basically how to like alleviate some of these world issues that aren't necessarily solvable, but that we can get closer to accomplishing with like brainstorming and design thinking. So I would say for us, it's definitely focused on like world problems okay. and innovation in that sense, not necessarily innovation in like modern technologies or um, like adaptations of like everyday things. It's more like social issues. But I don't, that might not be re re related to your work. So whatever your interpretation of that is, I would also be interested in hearing that response. Well, well Phoebe, it kind of is. And that's, it's really interesting as you were kind of articulating that. I began to kind of think about, because initially I didn't think there was relevance to the work that I'm doing, but I think there is actually relevance. Because from an education sort of perspective, you know, what I'm attempting to do is to help engineers within the context of design to, to in my case, think more inclusively and consequentially in terms of the design of, of technologies. So as you know, you know, as a, for example, kind of the issues that we're seeing with um, machine learning and um, artificial intelligence in terms of, you know, these, the biases that are propagated by the use of these sorts of technologies, mm -hmm. use and deployment of these sorts of technologies. So I, I think the social innovation that my work is attempting to accomplish is to help the folk that are designing and developing those sorts of systems to, again, you know, think more inclusively and consequentially and help them to begin to kind of understand that, you know, that their bias, their biases can actually be propagated within these, these sorts of systems um, and, and be cognizant and aware of that, you know, in the design and development sort of process such that that doesn't, you know, kind of happen. So bringing some awareness to designers, especially in that given sort of context, you know, around, you know, the implications and consequences of their engineering decision making, yeah. you know, and what that could actually, you know, impart in terms of a system being deployed. Mm -hmm. So there is some social innovation aspects around that. So, you know, again, maybe to better kind of articulate that. So, you know, there is a need for engineering designers to kind of, you know, to, again, think more inclusively and consequentially. So the work that I'm doing is coming up with methods, tools, and techniques to help them to, to accomplish that, such that at the end of the day, in terms of the, the things that they're actually designing and putting into the world, you know, don't, don't propagate and um, um, uh, propagate, yeah, propagate is kind of the best word to use, um, you know, these, these sorts of, of biases that these technologies could actually, you know, kind of impart. Thank you. Yeah, very interesting. Um, one one other question. This is this one is this one interests me a lot. It okay. says, "What what question interests you in research in design or design thinking? What area in design or design thinking interests you the most?" Hmm. Um, great question. Uh, good probing question. Um, so some again, kind of to dovetail what I was just talking about, inclusive and consequential. The consequential piece is the is the piece that I'm really intrigued by, you know, and, and, and actually it's interesting because I've been kind of working on, I'm in the process of writing a book and, and the book, you know, is kind of a collection of these tools, methods and techniques uh, around, you know, designing more inclusively, taking into consideration diverse inclusion in design, but ultimately back to this whole notion of, you know, what does it mean to be a consequential design thinker? Is, is what I'm going back to and kind of the, the question that I'm trying to answer, the overarching question I'm trying to answer um, within the context of my work. So it's, it's really how to, how to help designers think more consequentially. So really thinking about the, being more forward thinking about the implications and consequences, both negative and positive, potentially of their design decision making throughout the entire you know, process. Mm -hmm. So I, I think oftentimes some of the problems and challenges that we are currently are, that we are currently facing and some of the future challenges, you know, could be probably mitigated if we thought more consequentially, you know, throughout the design kind of life cycle. So that's one of the questions that I have, you know, how can we 
help designers think more consequentially and have consequence as a critical or important kind of component, you know, of the design thinking framework. And, and, some, and to offer some response to that, I've been really intrigued with kind of this integration of both design thinking with systems thinking. So I don't know if you guys have explored kind of systems thinking um, in some of your yeah. classes. Not very much, no, yeah. But Phoebe, if this is a question that you're kind of, uh, you know, around this, you know, what other aspects of design thinking um, need to be explored, I, I think this is something you may want to look at um, because okay. I'm kind of exploring this as well, systems thinking. So with systems thinking, it's all about thinking more holistically and systemically um, in any sort of context. But, but where I'm trying to apply this is specifically within the context of design thinking. And so systems thinking, one of the core tenets of systems thinking is actually thinking consequentially and thinking about the consequences of, you know, of action. So what I'm attempting to do is kind of more explicitly kind of connect the dots of that notion of consequential thinking within a systems thinking context and connecting that, you know, with design thinking. Because I really yeah, think yeah. That there, is, there is a role. And especially as we think about these more, you know, emerging sort of technologies, you know, not only, you know, AI and machine learning, um, but as we think about, you know, implementing those within an autonomous vehicle sort of context. Um, so the, the implications are, you know, really the consequences of the implications of bad decision making are high, you know, in those sorts of contexts. Yes. So it, it, it imparts us as design thinkers to think more consequentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very interesting. That, that's complex. Wow. To relate all of those together, but very yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, again, something I've been kind of pondering and um, I would definitely like, I would appreciate Deluja. No, you no, know. no. You okay. just glitched out for, yeah. Okay. So would, would appreciate, you know, as you guys kind of further explore, you know, kind of, you know, your feedback and reaction in terms of, you know, connecting the systems thinking with design. Mm -hmm. And my final question, which is something that I think would be very interesting to ask you, especially because you're heavy in the field of engineering, is does design thinking always play a role in your um, engineering process or your design process in the projects that you've um, pursued or even in the work that you do with your students? Do you feel that design thinking has always played a significant role? Unfortunately, not. And again, because oftentimes the value associated with it, but me personally, you know, because I am such an advocate, you know, for, you know, more human centered design approaches, you know, I've always kind of embedded it within, you know, my conversations and discussions around, you know, different sorts of methods to, to, to at least make engineers aware of these sorts of considerations, even though it may not be explicitly detailed in a specific sort of design process, you know, that it is an important sort of consideration. Um, so I've done it personally, but I, but, you know, it's unfortunate that it hasn't always been the case traditionally for, you know, engineering design. But, you know, there is a growing sort of, of movement, movement around, mm -hmm. you know, embracing, um, you know, more human-centered design approaches, you know, in engineering design, because we are beginning to kind of see, you know, the, those implications um, associated with, you know, not doing that, you know, these cautionary tales that we're beginning to kind of see when we look at, you know, deployment of these emerging technologies, you know, that could have been mitigated or addressed if a more human-centered design approach was taken and coming up with the technology. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I think we also need more in our human-centered design, need more of the reality component of it, where we think more, how can this actually be executed, and oh, yeah. more black and white parts of it. So they definitely go together. That's oh, very interesting. Truly, and that's why I'm so glad that um, you and your professor, you know, really kind of thought about, you know, connecting with, you know, differing sorts of uh, people, how can I say this, different sorts of designers is what I, where I was going, but, you know, people that are engaging in design, but in different sorts of, you know, contexts and disciplines. And, and I think we do need to have these sorts of conversations and really kind of explore each, and, each other's kind of method, tools, and techniques and see where there's opportunity to leverage, you know, from both perspectives, as you've just articulated. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your book, and I really appreciate this interview. This was so yeah. interesting. I feel like I learned so much. I'm so excited okay. to write about it. 
And I have as well. I really appreciate these questions because it helps me to kind of clarify some of the thoughts I have that are going into the book. So uh, can't wait to get it out there so that you can read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be rooting for you. Thanks, Phoebe. That was a very interesting listen. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Natalie, just have a few questions here, if you wouldn't mind. Um, what did you learn from them about design thinking and social innovation? Yeah, I had never really thought about how the design process could shift and evolve, um, like Dr. Winchester talked about. And I think of what I know about design, I always thought the relative steps of the process were the same. But Dr. Winchester brings up some great points about the, how the process really isn't the same for every project. And it always depends uh, what's, what the context of the project is, which is really important when you're working on anything, honestly. Well, um, Dr. Winchester explained how he encourages his students to use design thinking as it often results in a more feasible out outcome. Uh, he stated that we've got to be more process oriented, I feel. Winchester then went on to say that design thinking allows his students to understand the importance of the design process. Uh, quote unquote, I think that the beautiful thing about design thinking specifically is the way that the process is kind of framed. It does allow for flexibility, but it does provide enough structure so that if you do trust the process and engage accordingly, it will result in more usable and oftentimes more innovative design outcomes. Uh, Winchester then elaborates on his on this and says that the design process is not the same for every project. It can shift, morph, and evolve depending on the context, which I definitely uh, find very helpful. I think that flexibility is very, very important when it comes to projects and things that you're working on. So definitely agree with uh, Dr. Winchester in that point. So uh, to continue a little bit, uh, as two students who are not formal designers, what advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? Um, well, one thing I really took away was that um, I really liked how Dr. Winchester emphasized being realistic in your use of design thinking. I think it gets to the point that we just talked about that context is key to what process you are using to get an outcome you want, that it's important to be creative. Um, that's really an important thing in general, but we have to always make sure our intent fits the context to have the most successful outcome, because no matter how creative you are, if your end's not there, or if it's not where it should be, or if it doesn't match what user you're working with or whoever you're working with, then it's not really going to be successful. I totally agree. Um, uh, Dr. Winchester, he reiterates the importance of being realistic in both your engagement and use of design thinking. Winchester feels that we need to put thought around the intent of our projects because we can ultimately uh, determine that design thinking isn't the appropriate process by which to use in a given context. If you're a non-designer, you're going to engage in some, de some design thinking processes. You really have to do the research to really understand truly the process and how to engage the steps in the process and what those steps mean and how to uh, appro appropriately use them. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, what you said was awesome. Was there anything that surprised, that Dr. Winchester said that surprised you that you didn't really agree with or that inspired you? Well, something that inspired me is that Winchester hopes that his work can inform engineers within the context of design to think more inclusively and consequentially in terms of the design uh, technologies. 
he wants designers to understand that their biases can be propagated within these systems and become more aware of that in the design thinking process. So uh, definitely to, you know, leave out your biases and your, you know, your assumptions or whatever, whatever predetermined notion that you have about something, it's better to leave it at, at the door because you can go in into a project expecting one thing and end up with something totally different. So it's very important to not be biased, be open-minded and keep, uh, keep, just keep, be open, uh, is pretty much what I got from, uh, Dr. Winchester. What about you? Was there anything he said that you felt inspired by? Yeah, I think I was really inspired by Dr. Winchester incorporating design thinking and engineering, kind of like a little bit what you talked about. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing how he wants his students to have a human centered approach. And I think that's important in all fields of work, but seems to be underutilized in STEM in particular. And I think this could inspire others in engineering or other STEM fields to really try to focus their work and their education and being human-centered and to use design thinking itself to get to that point. Uh, was there anything you wanted to learn more about? If you could ask them another question, what if you could ask Dr. Winchester another question, what would you what would it be? So one thing I found very interesting, Dr. Winchester doesn't believe that design thinking is always the appropriate method to creating effective uh, solutions. He feels before one begins the design process, it's crucial to understand all the possible approaches in order to find the best one in the given context. So I would ask him to continue to expand on this point and to get a better understanding of what exactly he means uh, when he says... Um, he doesn't believe that design thinking is always the appropriate method. So I would just pretty much uh, ask him what he means by that. And once again, one big point that he's had throughout this whole series was context, context, context. It's very important. And so I'd, I'd like him to expand more on that as well. So what about you, Natalie? Is there anything you wanted to learn more about? If you could ask him another question, what would, what would it be? Yeah, I think I don't have a specific question per se, but I think I would like to have heard more about the steps or specific lessons that Dr. Winchester gives to his students to help incorporate design thinking into their projects. I think like knowing his process on how he, or lesson plans or just overall, I think oh, his overall process of incorporating that would be incredibly helpful to others who are wanting or would like to learn how to involve design thinking in their engineering work. And as I mentioned before, I think STEM could really use design thinking and could work to incorporate empathy into STEM projects. So I think learning more about Dr. Winchester's process in her would be incredibly helpful in that aspect. Well, I couldn't agree more. So, well, once again, thank you, Natalie, for joining us. We hope to have you back on soon. And for your list, the listeners out there, we want to know what you think. So please feel free to reach out uh, on the Taylor website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments. And Natalie, once again, thank you. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our design thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 30 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. 
If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.